Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and fire can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slippery sheepskin. <laughs> <laughs> When Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. <laughs> you can't unhear it, you know? <laughs> At the time, it was groundbreaking. <laughs> a combination of invention and craftsmanship that remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. We are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off select items, including on the iconic Clark's Desert Boot by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. Requirements pre-roll, mid-roll. No, fuck! <laughs> Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. So last week we talked all about fusion, and where we ended our story was with the Tokamak. Yep. Which was this kind of sexy Soviet invention, which kind of has become one of the more hegemonic ways to design and figure out fusion. But there's other ways to, you know, crack this egg and cook it on the windshield of your car or the hood. <laughs> My windshield is pure metal. Just so long as you're cooking your eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one way to cook an egg. <laughs> uh, but there's other ways to cook an egg with plasma because it turns out. You could design all sorts of donuts and all sorts of wires and yeah. use many fields. In general, with fusion, we're trying to replicate the intense heat and gravity of the sun on a much lower gravity environment. There's a couple other ways to do that than the tokamak. Yeah, so I hope that you guys do listen to our last episode because we spent the first chunk of it kind of explaining how fusion power works. Right. And it's going to uh, be a little confusing without that. Yeah. So go and check that out. And then in this one, we're going to be talking about all these other designs, maybe a little bit less popular, but still, you know, people are pursuing them. And right. maybe one of them will be the ones that actually gets us to fusion quicker. Right. All right. So let's get into it. To begin with, I think, just really brief, broad overview of fusion again. Right. It's taking little atoms, like hydrogen, maybe helium or something. Deuterium. Yes, deuterium, right. tritium. Right. Tudor, yeah. Yeah, which are all different isotopes of hydrogen. Trouble with tritium. That should be an episode. Yeah, that's, yeah. That would be, that's got a nice Star Trek ring to it. <laughs> and you're trying to take those and push them together. Real, real, make them kiss. Okay, until they fuse together, the atoms fuse together, and then in that fusion process, you have a bunch of energy created. Yeah, Sean, can I make a quick digression? Okay, I'm trying to be better by like asking first. 
Well, that's good radio. (laughs) (laughs) Is Trouble with Tribbles a great episode or a terrible one? Jesus. It's actually been a long time since I've seen it. I think I liked the idea of Trouble with Tribbles a lot more than it was actually executed. You know, that's actually very true of TOS in general. It's like, it's funny to go back and watch TOS. And there's like four episodes that I think are just like classic sci-fi. And there's like a lot of hippies in space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think Trouble with Tribbles is one of those episodes where it's like, Oh man, like that's a fun. Yeah, like oh, cool invasive species gumming everything up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's like all these puffballs and stuff. Yeah, and then moment to moment, you're like, man, they did not have enough money on this show. (laughs) I don't know, more McCoy. (laughs) I need more McCoy. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so you know, we're taking these little atoms. We're kind of making them sexy and powerful and getting a lot of energy off of this act of creation. Yes. Now, Tokamaks were one of the designs to do fusion. Now, that's what the Soviets were doing. But, like, America's better, right? <laughs> America must have some really awesome way to do fusion. You know, something that's more capitalist, not commie. Yeah, yeah. So, Tokamaks, they're kind of a donut shape. Right. And they use a kind of central electromagnet that helps push the atoms together you need to get some energy in there. They get real close, but then also they're in a form called plasma, which we also talked about Fucking last time. Soviets with their centralized machines <laughs> pushing the people together. <laughs> yeah, so there were a couple of ideas, though, in the U.S. that were kind of promising at first, but after... Have some design problems. Yeah, yeah, some design complications. So one of those examples are Stellarators. Okay, okay. very sexy name. I like it. And so the Stellarator... Was Sounds like a hot cyborg girl from like a George Lucas movie. Oh, why a George Lucas movie? Because it's a bad that idea. That killed my boner. Like <laughs> George Lucas or Luke Besson. <laughs> okay, so Stellarators, though, have a kind of similar starting concept as Tokamaks. Okay? Right. In that they both have electromagnets, and they're using the electromagnets to try to confine the plasma. Okay. Okay. Because the plasma is already high energy. That's how you get to be a plasma. Right. You need to have enough energy that the electrons fly off of your atoms. Right. right? So if you're that high energy, <laughs> you might just fly apart into right. the walls of your fusion reactor. Bad. Yeah. Not only would that damage your walls a little bit, but also it would be unproductive. You would no longer right. have that plasma doing its thing. Right. Right. So you use electromagnets to kind of keep it contained. In a tokamak, you got this donut shape. The plasma is kind of moving around in that donut shape, and it's being kept away from the walls with right. the electromagnet. But this is McCarthy America. Okay, we don't want things moving around like hippies. Right, okay? we exactly. We want things stable. Right, this right. is the uh, the town from Footloose. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. There's no dancing! <laughs> yeah, John Lithgow's <laughs> machine. So, in the Stellarator, the idea instead, though, was like, okay, moving plasma is complicated. Right. Like, once you start moving, you can have, like, weird little issues pop up. Right. So. Kids might start reading. Yeah, know, and the my, thing about. dance. <laughs> so, one of the goals in general with the fusion reactor, if you want to contain the plasma in, like, what you'd consider to be a really stable shape. Yes. It would be, what about getting a very uniform and symmetrical magnetic field. All right. Because if your magnetic field is really symmetrical, it's like, okay, the plasma is just going to sit in there in one shape. Yeah. Now, there's a few different ways to try to get a symmetrical magnetic field. Right, because that's so easy. Well, there is a kind of easy shape that does that sort of. Right. If you took, like, you know, one of those cardboard tube, like maybe you use for wrapping paper. Okay, right. Or toilet paper, you know what I mean? One of those guys. And you wrapped, you coiled a wire around it. Right. Okay. That 
is an electromagnet. Okay. And the inside of the tube, running through the tube, is a really uniform, symmetric magnetic field. But the tube ends. Right. Right. So that's not useful for a fusion reactor because the tube ends at some point, and then you just have plasma flying at the end of it, right? That won't do. So one of the kind of common things to do, that shape, by the way, is called a solenoid. Right. You can take a solenoid... And you can curve it around into a donut. <laughs> That's the idea of a tokamak. Okay? Wow, we stole even that from the Soviets. But the thing about curving it around is that the wires on the inner, the donut hole side, right. are closer together than the wires on the outer surface. Fucked up. Right? And because you've changed that geometry, your magnetic field is no longer even. Okay, that sucks. Okay. So the tokamak gets around this by having the plasma moving right doesn't matter but in the stellarator design it was okay no moving but that means that a donut shape a perfect donut is not the correct shape anymore oh shit in fact you need a much weirder part of like a weird eight kind of shape maybe Mm. or like an infinity kind of shape or something you need to twist that around in order to have it stay stable okay and i guess it just didn't pan out because it didn't work. Eventually, in the 80s, everyone started doing tokamaks. Yeah, so basically, we had tried different geometries. Right. And we were having a really hard time finding one that could keep the plasma right. stable. And, in fact, it wasn't until way later when right. we had computers. I was about to say, can it. we, yeah, can we, like, computer engineer better shapes now? Yes. So tokamaks, because their design, their physical design is relatively simple compared right. to a Stellarator. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why they advanced so much. Right. But now, now that we have AI and Andrew Yang, all yeah, right, we yeah. could we could develop the best of such shapes. Yes. So that is kind of where Stellarators really have been picking up more recently. Wow. Dude, the Harvey Weinstein 7X <laughs> is the next gen of Stellarator. Wendelstein. Oh, okay. The Wendelstein 7X. I read is, that. I read that too fast. Is the next generation Stellarator. Sometimes I read like how I eat burgers <laughs> way too quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, all the, all the word in my eye at the same time. <laughs> With wild abandon. And I can't appreciate <laughs> the word's flavors or, or meaning. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's in a while you know you get a burger and it's got black truffle oil yeah and garlic and everything i've and- never known <laughs> i eat them too fast yeah <laughs> you're very naughty so i also don't eat black truffle i only eat white truffle de alba wow yeah the black truffle is too cheap do you also eat white truffle too quickly <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you should probably just slow down every once in a while um so the wendelstein 7x is a new generation of Stellarator that's built in Germany and it started operations in 2015. Awesome. And that one is based off of designs from a lot of computer modeling. Right. One of the things that I will say still is that even after we have computers help us design the kind of really complex shapes of electromagnets we need, right? building the electromagnets is still not a trivial task. Right. This also sucks ass. Yeah, and, you know, once... You just have to imagine... You're asking people to build out of a pretty expensive material a really, really specific shape with right. millimeter accuracy. Right. Otherwise, your plasma just craps out. Hey, right? but these are Germans. <laughs> I mean, they make BMWs. <laughs> all of these fusion plants are built with the cooperation of companies all over the world because mm. there's no one place that handles enough 
electromagnet shit. Right. To really build anything on the scale of a fusion plant. That's very interesting. Right now, right? If, That's cool. If somebody actually nailed down like a really solid fusion reactor design, right. I'm sure there'd be companies then that Then suddenly would you'd prop up and yeah. you'd be all about that. But right now, a lot of the reason why a lot of fusion plants actually take a long time to come on board and everything, yeah. like why the tokamak that we talked about last time, ITER, yeah. took such a long time is because they kept running into supply issues. Right. There'd be like companies being like, we don't make electromagnets that big. Or like, right. it's going to take us a few years to gather the materials for that. Right. But in wow. any case... That doesn't bode that well for like fusion <laughs> writ large, right? Gather the materials. It's like Valheim or something. Yeah, know? dude. It's, <laughs> like, it's fucking... Takes, you have to go on crafting yeah, missions. Yeah, it takes forever to kill that many deer <laughs> for the hide and for the deuterium. So, I mean, one of the things that, to briefly recap, when we talked about fusion in the last episode, what we're trying to discover is if we can do fusion to reach certain energy quotas, right? Right, so, yeah. And remind me, but like a Q value, which is the energy we've created equal to one is that we've just like baseline reached a certain amount of energy for our research purposes. And Q5 is actually met our engineering costs. And then Q10 is somewhere close to like in our modern economy, a useful amount of energy output. Yeah. Yeah. So Q is like the ratio okay. of how much energy you got out divided by how much energy you had to put in. Right. So, yes. Hence why we want one. Yeah. We don't want a fraction of the energy we Right. Put in. You need at least one to even fucking count as a power plant, right? Okay. Like, you can't... If you're below one, you're just something that's burning energy. Okay, um, well, so Wendelstein, what's our predicted Q for that? And what does it look like? How's it done? Right, so that's the thing, is Wendelstein 7X is not actually being run with the goal right now of trying to reach greater than one mm. in terms of Q. Because Stellar Raiders have had such less development over the last several decades compared to Tokamaks. We're just like at a more elementary stage. Right. So they're still trying to figure shit out. They're like, okay, we have this design that a computer spat out. We've managed to build it as that design, you know, kind of specified. But like Tokamaks have all of this experience of like, oh, hey, when we use this for like longer than 30 seconds, you need to do right. something about the ash that builds up. All, right. all of these we, like- We don't like, even know any of that yet for Stellar Raiders. Right, exactly. So they do not currently have on their radar something like the goal that ITER has for right. the Tokamak, which is trying to hit the scientific and engineering break-evens. Yeah. So Stellar Raiders are kind of behind in that Epiphany. Sense. You told me in the last episode that fusion is very buff, of course, but that matter-antimatter uh, annihilation is like so much come, right? Yes. Okay, so let's just ditch fusion and do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> what are yeah. we doing waste our time on fusion? Yeah, that's the, the fuel cost is where that comes in a little bit. It's hard to get antimatter. Yes. It's amazing that we can get antimatter because that like... It makes anti-sense to me, you know? Cause it doesn't like, last for very long. It's hard to touch it, right? Like, like how do you get antimatter? Yeah, yeah. So we can create antimatter in, like, uh, like the Like a particle accelerator? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Because gets... you're annihilating particles, I guess, and so... Little animal, right? Right, in the extremely high energy kind of uh, you know collisions that occur, yeah, you create antimatter briefly, yeah, until it touches anything, right, and then it, ooh. and then it annihilates. Can one particle of antimatter kill like, like Thanos or something? <laughs> I don't like think you so. said, it touches anything. <laughs> so if I, I like threw antimatter at my enemies, and like it didn't hit anything else on the way. My understanding of antimatter is that it'll annihilate an equivalent mass. 
of the regular matter. Oh, really? Yeah. So what if you chose like the perfect part of the brain that has like all the memories? I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> 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 and all of a sudden your enemy can't remember his passwords. Wow. Can't get his own Bitcoin. <laughs> we have enemies like an now. Idiot. Huh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this conversation got real weird. The royal we. So, so we're building weapons now all of a sudden? We were talking about power plants, but now it's to weapons? Fusion was always about weapons for me. We already did the weapons for fusion. <laughs> right. We already have that nailed down. Hey. You know, I'm actually kind of curious about that. Yeah. So, like, you drop a fusion bomb, and I guess, like, it's like, how does it work? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. Uh, we're actually going to talk about it during inertial confinement fusion, which is going to come up after our break. Dude, fuck me. Yeah. Dude, let's take a break. <laughs> hey, guys, this is Sean. Have you ever been at a party sipping PBR, just trying, trying to be seen for once? hear some people chatting about the latest app they're using, poops, using words like microbiome and holobiont. You just ask yourself, uh, are those nerds talking about me? Do they think they're better than me? They do. But you don't have to keep things that way. Listen to Petri Dish, a science podcast that can catch you up to all those fancy fucks. Well, Technically, you're listening now, but keep doing it and spread the word to other dum-dums. Petri dish, so that you can rub knowledge in other people's faces. Uh, okay, so, I mean, let's have that conversation, dude. You know, because everything so far, so boring. I don't want to make things, <laughs> I want to break them, dude. Tell me about fusion bombs and thus a different way maybe we could also make fusion power plants. Right, so, so far, everything that we've talked about is using electromagnets to create magnetic fields to try to confine fusion. Right. Uh, the, the plasma in order to get fusion going. Yeah. But there's another kind of idea based off of basically our already existing successes in creating shit that blows the fuck up. Yes. Right? With fusion bombs. Those who seek to ride the tiger end up inside. That's inside, inside what? <laughs> inside Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, I think that's from the part of the speech where he's talking about like the deadly atom. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you all made of deadly things. Atoms. Nice. You know? Yeah. Anyway. So... Instead of using the magnets to kind of squeeze the stuff, what about using, like, lasers or some kind of shit? Nice. Okay? And so the, the idea Talking. for that kind of comes mm. from how we used basically fission nuclear bombs okay. to set up the fusion bomb. Okay, interesting. Okay, so in the fusion bomb, you have, like, a little fission bomb right? that has kind of the big radioactive material, like plutonium or something like that. Cool. And then... During the bomb dropping and, like, actually, you know, like, fucking hitting something really hard. Yes. That kind of, the high-weight atoms will cram into each other and set off a fission reaction. Cool. Which produces a shitload of x-rays. And the x-rays hit a really small or relatively small pellet of, like, deuterium. Okay. And the x-rays kind of energize that deuterium so much that they cram together and fuse. Are you full-blown telling me that we would drop a fission bomb so we could make a fusion bomb yes. out of a single pellet or something? Yes. And, you know, people say that was the greatest generation. I just don't <laughs> buy it. Well, but that shit explodes like a motherfucker. <laughs> like, basically, the, like everyone wants to blame baby boomers for everything, but like baby boomers were six when that was happening, right? Yeah, so like the whole idea was like somebody looked at a nuke and was like, 
could we make that bigger? And then, <laughs> and then they were like, oh, like, let's yes, yeah, let's right. strap a nuclear bomb to a fusion bomb and oh like, make that shit go. So, oh my god! So that's basically the idea. Except here, they're like, well, we want a little bit more control, and we'd like to not set off a nuke every time that we want a fusion power plant to go. Yeah. So what if instead of using the X-rays, right, to kind of take a little pellet of deuterium and kind of crush it? Awesome. What if instead of using x-rays, we used fucking lasers? Okay, that's cool. Okay. And so that was the idea for inertial confinement fusion. You have a little pellet, blast the shit out of it with lasers. The outer shell of the pellet explodes. Okay. But in the shockwave that forms, everything inside the pellet gets pushed in closer to each other. Okay. Okay, because... Because basically the shock waves from the outer part push in and out at the same time. That sounds like a, a whole lot. Sounds like a whole lot. That sounds like uh, like Ocean's Eleven or something. <laughs> like like a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, it must be said that it is inspired by something that we did legitimately make. Right, everything else and, is just some bullshit. <laughs> right, like all of the other stuff was way more theoretical than the fact that we literally blew stuff the fuck up right. with a fusion bomb, right? right? So in order to try this idea out, they set up this big facility called the National Ignition Facility. Cool. And it was actually in Berkeley. So I was pretty close to the National Ignition Facility. It Damn. Was like right up there. Damn, in 2009, um, too. Yeah. Damn. So we're lucky you're alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's like how some people thought when the particle accelerator went on at CERN, maybe the world just ended. You remember yeah. that? It did. Did that ever? <laughs> you think we're living in a real world right now? Idiot. <laughs> Hard simulation. Did, did stuff start making more sense since they turned that on? <laughs> oh, dude. What a terrible thought, huh? Um, uh, was and, that always, by the way, just like totally stupid? When people were like, maybe the world will end. Was that just like always a totally moron idea? Or is that like vaguely not completely ridiculous? Uh, I had never really read anything that had a convincing case for like like a probability for it happening. Right. Right. I think the the more fundamental idea was like, if the whole point of this thing is to use high energy to probe physics we don't understand yet, yeah. you can't guarantee that something funky wouldn't happen in the high energy physics that would be going on. It's almost depressing how the opposite became true. Yeah, it's like, oh, we've it's boring. Like, yeah, we've like not figured out jack <laughs> shit from it. Well, we got the Higgs boson. Yeah. But didn't that like not end up being enough to like be super helpful for the standard model or something? No, I think it fit in too nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, this didn't wreck anything. Physics, <laughs> physics. I was about to say physicians. <laughs> physicians are such jackasses. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, anyway. So, okay, at Berkeley, we set up this like dork ass, awesome fucking NGF, what NIF facility. Yes. To do some laser-ass, some laser-ass fusion. Right. So in a facility bigger than a football stadium, you basically just have that loaded up with enough stuff to make 192 fucking really goddamn high-powered lasers. The strongest lasers on Earth in a gigantic stadium. Wow. In order to hit a target, a bead, basically, of like deuterium or deuterium tritium. Yeah. That's about the size of a millimeter. What if you put like a finger... In the middle of all those beams. It would hurt your finger. Okay. <laughs> you, you would it can't be finger. that powerful. Oh, okay. They're strong. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're, they're powerful. I was about to say, I was like, can't be that powerful if I don't even lose my finger. Dude, these are powerful lasers. Okay, okay. These are strong done. enough to really fuck you up. So just like, would it burn? Like, what does that, what does that actually do? You know? I don't want to sound like a j- idiot, but like... Yeah, it would burn. Okay. Because it's photons, but you're getting kinetic energy from them. So. Right. So it'd be like, Shah! Yeah, like in well, a movie. it's 192 
really fucking like strong lasers. lasers. So, yeah. so yeah, you. Okay. I don't think you'd have the. Well, tip of your so we must more. have already done fusion then, if these are such big, powerful lasers, right? Well, NIF did come online in 2009, and they did truly ass blast the shit out of that pellet. Cool. Which, by the way, is not a trivial task because aligning 192 really high-powered lasers right. so that they exactly hit that point right. where the right. one millimeter each laser is like a photon right so like yeah i mean so some of them are potentially thicker than others like i, I think that these ones aren't necessarily like a single photon right or anything but still though it's a well, point. one of the things was it didn't work at first yeah and they're like oh when we studied it really closely we were like off by a tiny bit yeah because there was like a little bit of water vapor in the chamber and that oh. was enough to move a couple of the laser beams totally enough fucked it up yeah to just like have it be what was called a asymmetrical implosion so even though oh. the little bead still imploded it was like not perfectly spherical in its implosion cool Okay, um, yeah. but we figured that out. Yes. Got the water vapor out of it. Yeah. There. Okay, so then it works. What's going on? Yeah, so they did a great job, but not even fucking anywhere close to a Q equals one. Interesting. Not even fucking close. Uh, like the the best, best, best case scenario was they got 10% of Q equals one. Or wow. Q equals 0.1. So this whole method just probably just doesn't work, right? Yeah, so I think right now their current stance is... We need to invent new kinds of lasers or something. Because, like, it does not look like it's in a position where it's going to work out the way that it's currently right. configured. So they're going to, like, put some dorms in that building? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> it's just, like, empty now? No, I think that they run other kinds of experiments that help inform a lot of other stuff. So, like, oh, that's in, good. in the process of even creating these lasers, we've discovered... Like, on the engineering side, a yeah. lot of stuff on making lasers. Right. That now, I mean, lasers are in all kinds of shit right. and are very useful. So, like, all of that technology has been useful. Right. It's just for fusion. Right. That shit didn't work. So, people got to remember about science in general is that a failing still often begets discoveries. Yeah. And asymmetrically sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think the National Ignition Facility has still been very useful yeah. And they have experiments still planned that they're running for like other stuff, but right. I don't think that they currently view that facility as being likely to hit Q equals one anytime soon. Right. So yeah, I think okay. they're retooling. But luckily we got other pokers in the fire. There's a whole other way to skin this cat, right? Called a Z pinch. Yeah. Okay, well let's take a break then, and then we're gonna go back to nineteen seventy four, mid mid era Frank Zappa with the Z pinch. <laughs> The following is an actual advertisement. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Okay, guys, welcome back. We're talking about one more method. I guess two more. Yeah. yeah, two and pretty different. But this is kind of like the other category, the grab bag category, right? Okay. Because Tokamak and Stellarator... And Nith for a while were yeah. kind of like the three big names. Right. These are weirdos. Yeah, yeah. That, so one of them actually, though, has a very long history going back to before Tokamaks and I think before Stellarators as well. 
Z-Pinch was one of like the earliest ideas for fusion. Yeah, like Nikola Tesla came up with it. Uh, I don't It's featured so, in but. The Prestige. <laughs> but this is an old fusion idea. Like we're talking it, this was tested in the 1950s. Okay. Cool. And it took about a decade for people to be like, "Ah, this shit doesn't work." I really don't like this. <laughs> um now the idea of the Z-Pinch comes from an electromagnetism observation right. that has existed for a very long time. And yeah. what that is, is if you have current running in the same direction. So like, let's say you have a bunch of wires, a bundle of wires, mm-hmm. and they're all running electricity in the same direction. As soon as you turn them on, they all bundle closer together. Okay. And that's because the way that magnetic fields are formed from wires is it kind of like runs around in like a clockwise direction. And if all of them are running in the same direction, the magnetic field gets stronger and stronger cool. until it pulls them in. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could make it so like fusion happened in the middle of that. Right. So if you imagine instead of wires that are all running in the same direction, if each one of those things was like conceptually like a tendril of plasma and all the plasma has current flowing in a direction, then the stronger the current, the more it should get pulled together. Okay. Eventually to the point where it's pulled together so hard, yeah. you get fusion going on. See, I yeah, I see why it doesn't work. Like tendril, that's like a very Cthulhu kind of like weird <laughs> word to me. I don't believe you. They don't have tendrils of plasma, do they? Uh, well, so what they would do... Like the sun does, right? Is they would set up electrodes yeah. so that there was a positive and a negative side. Okay. And they would run current from one electrode to the other through gas. Okay. And then that gas would add enough energy, turn into plasma. Mm. And since you're running the current through, it kind of naturally forms this kind of current movement that would Z-pinch. Okay. okay. Wait, what's the, what does the word Z-pinch mean exactly again? It's yeah, just, it's, so, it's where the... So in geometry class, yeah. or maybe sometimes algebra or whatever, yeah. there's the X Boy, and trigger Y. trigger warning for me next there's time. There's the X and Y axis. Yeah. Right? There's also the Z axis, the 3D axis, right? Fuck me, dude. You know what I'm talking about? You just so, blew my mind. Three dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. you son of a bitch. Okay, so there's the Z. <laughs> You're watching too much anime, bro. You need to, you need to get back into the 3D world. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the NHK, dude. That's me. Oh, wow. Yeah, Ikikomori, dude. Anyway, okay, so there's the X-axis, the Y-axis. The Z-axis is kind of the other direction. Yeah. Okay? And so the idea with Z-pinch is you're like you're pinching the wires in yeah. in the z direction. Ah, okay. That has to do with like if current is flowing one way, mm. then the magnetic field is orthogonal and blah blah blah. Anyway, dude, I'm so hard right now. <laughs> orthogonal. Yeah. You I, know what orthogonal means, right? Like kinda. It means perpendicular, but perpendicular usually just kind of applies to the x and y like if you're just right. drawing things flat. Yeah. But orthogonal can mean the next dimension dude. or it can mean dimensions we can't even spatially imagine dude right yes yeah dude so you can have like a seventh dimensional orthogonal thing dude are we talking about string theory today dude? <laughs> are we string theorizing dude <laughs> some, some other fucking day um okay some other dimension man we're not doing that here but the main point is the z pinch concept very broadly yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Right. Because current definitely does this. Okay. Yes. And you can get plasma to pinch in. Experimentally, they've done that. Okay. What happens though is it does not uniformly pinch. Okay. Usually it pinches in in kind of different spots or the entire kind of plasma column will bend. And these two problems 
kind of like instabilities in the plasma column. Yeah. It would either pinch in unevenly. That was called, I think, sausage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, a, a sausage instability. High and low culture, huh? And American then, physics. And then the other issue where it bends is called kink okay. instability. So it's right. either sausage or kink. I feel like just like all the goofiest guys from Chicago were working on Z-Pinch, <laughs> where all the dorks were working on Stellarators. <laughs> Got sausage, kink, Z-Pinches. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, so those two problems were sufficiently evident in the 50s that they were like, this shit doesn't work. Right. Okay. So, you know, Z-Pinches kind of fell into the far background. Stellarators became more, po- uh, you I'm know. Sure, Stellarators and then Tokamax and no room for Z-Pinches. Right, Z-Pinches kind of really fell off until I would say maybe, you know, they didn't completely disappear. In academia, some people were still trying to pursue it a little bit. Right. Trying to figure out ways to get around the sausage and kink issues. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, and <laughs> All right, academia. <laughs> and one of those labs is at the University of Washington in, I would say, the late 90s. And then kind of continuously from then on, they started publishing papers on a version of the Z-Pinch called the... Shear Flow? Right. The Shear Flow Z-Pinch. Nice. I had, to, I had to watch a lot of shit to try to understand this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was okay. like not straightforward. But the idea of the Shear Flow Z-Pinch is kind of... If you imagine the plasma of a Z-Pinch being like a river. Yes. Okay. And the current is like the river flowing. Yes. Right? In the normal Z-Pinch, you were trying to set things up, basically, so that the entire river was flowing at the same speed of water. But what the scientists at University of Washington realized is if the outer edges of the river, like nearby the bank, if that water ran faster than in the middle of the river, yeah, that could actually stabilize the entire shape of this river of plasma. That's cool. To make it so that it didn't sausage. Okay. Or didn't kink. Okay. So then all they had to do was figure out a way to design a kind of Z-Pinch so that you could have faster moving plasma on the outer edge and then slower plasma in the middle. Did they? Yes. Oh. They did. And so actually they have been running a shear flow Z-Pinch and doing experiments on the materials for it and how long you can run it for and all kinds of things like that. Okay. They basically make the different kinds of plasma flow at different rates by using puffs of gas. Wow. They'll use like a little puff of inert gas into the chamber and that'll like the eddies of the plasma from that will form into a shear flow. Which are fucking Northwest environmentalists. It's crazy. Well, so basically at that point, it's about how much energy, the current that you're putting in. Okay. Because the more current, the more the magnetic field is going to pinch the Z pinch. Right. Okay. So they've been doing it with 0.3 mega amps of current. Okay. Which is a shitload of current. Okay. That's yeah. already a lot of current. Can you give me like a comparison? I feel like, mm, can I give you a comparison? I That's a good know. question. I was going to say a lot of the stuff that we use, we're pretty happy with like regular amps, like not even kiloamps. Okay. Okay. Like how about like the whole city of London? That's not exactly how current works. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like the Thames. <laughs> <laughs> um the river spay yeah, yeah 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 okay so so uh do we have time to talk about how electricity works i'm trying to think about that well electricity um, is like a whoa, 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 right like it's gonna flow in with the ocean and the sun and so, the sky so, so current is a description for how much the number of electrons you're moving in, in a period of time right 
okay? Uh, whereas voltage would be like how tall of a cliff you're jumping off of. Okay. Okay, so the bigger the volts, the bigger this cliff is mm -hmm. between the positive and negative okay. charges. So a lot of household items that you use are usually like 12 amps right. or something like that. Mm -hmm. To set this up, they needed... 0.3 mega amps okay. okay and so mega is the next 10 to the third above kilo okay so that's three hundred thousand amps okay of current which is a lot that's, that's a, lot a lot of houses and at that amount of electricity running through something it's kind of impressive that like they didn't melt their electrodes you know apparently eastern washington subsidizes a lot of energy so i'm sure they got a little bit of that good juice right they're like hey what's up ring 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 <laughs> You know, ring, ring. <laughs> they had to get it from somewhere. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so they used a, a lot of current. And based off that amount of current, what they estimate is if they doubled it to 0.6 mega amps, mm -hmm. that would be enough to reach the scientific breakeven. Q equals one. That's cool. Okay, wow. And then if they roughly doubled that to 1.3 mega amps and nothing melts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. if, if their materials can withstand that amount of current. Right. They should be able to reach the engineering break-even. Wow. Yeah. I feel like after the 90s, the Southwest shouldn't have another thing, though. The Southwest? Northwest. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, sure. don't you feel like they've run their course and... Starbucks? Yes. Well, that and Microsoft. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was actually thinking more tech, but Starbucks, you're right. It's like all <laughs> coffee crap, right? So, I mean, I feel like they should pass this up to, like... Like Montana. Who deserves it? Does Montana deserve it? Did it, they earn this? It's not about earning. What? Okay. In a, in a recession, Sean. Okay. We need to stop being worried about fraud. Okay. And like who earned it or didn't earn it. Okay. Okay. So if they've got these awesome numbers, why aren't they just doing it right now? For all I know, they are. Oh. Okay. So there's a startup called Zap Energy. Hilarious. Not the most creative. <laughs> and I mean, I think Z-Pinch Energy would have been a cooler name. <laughs> yeah. And Zap Energy has their whole thing. Their IP is the Shear Flow Z-Pinch. Very cool. And they are using that tech to build their fusion power plant. And we'll see if that shit works. Wow. Okay. Well, that's super cool. So we're just doing this whole other thing in the Northwest. Yeah. And you know, if it works, if it works, it has some considerable benefits over both the Stellarator and Tokamak designs. It's more like a river, which is beautiful. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But also, it doesn't require, like, a ton of, like, huge electromagnets that there, like, aren't companies to make. Right. In, like, either a relatively regular but gigantic design like the Tokamak. Right. Or in all kinds of weird, funky shapes like a Stellarator. Do we still need titidium and titidium? You would still bench? use them as fuel. I think they were using a deuterium-tritium mix. Mm. But, you know, hypothetically, you should be able to get away with using a different fuel if you just up the amps even more. Okay, that's cool. So at that point, it's all just going to be a question of, like, seriously, are you going to start melting your fucking electrodes and shit? Because right. That shit's just made out of it's copper be like real hot. and coated with tungsten. So, like, at some point... Can that stuff, like, how hot can you get tungsten before it melts? I mean, pretty hot. That's why they picked it. Right. But I got to believe at some point it's going to be an issue. They might need to figure out some other kind of alloy. Can you like throw tungsten into like the sun and it doesn't melt? That's, that is an answerable question that I don't have the answer for right now. What kind of scientists are you? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, anyway, Z-Pinch is very cool. Used to be super out of the mainstream, but I guess they still are. And that kind of wacky Northwest, they're giving it a go. Yep. Let's yes. talk about this last one. 
HP Pylori, dude. So this last one kind of came out of nowhere. I was just looking around at articles about fusion power, and there's one that's like, down in wacky Australia, they have oh. a new kind of fusion. Oh, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a brochure, man. Uh, Australia, yeah. new kind of fusion. Yeah, they like found it inside the pouch of a kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. It's called HB11. Okay, cool. Okay. And uh, HB11 is actually the name of the fuel that this kind of fusion plant would use. Okay. Usually okay. we're using a mix of dudidium dindidium. <laughs> right? You could, you could have figured out how to say the names by now. <laughs> I feel like that's within your power. But those are the things that we're using. <laughs> yes, right? deuterium and tritium. Uh, with tritium kind of being the special sauce of the fuel that like all of our plants so far right. have been talking about. The very expensive and difficult to get special sauce. Yes. And there are a lot of other options for fuels technically, but deuterium and tritium is kind of the lowest bar because it takes the least amount of heat and everything to get that into fusion. Right. And get like good power out of it. Yeah. So the startup company in Australia feels like they got a whole different answer. Okay. Okay. I guess the concept for this is that I would argue it's kind of semi-inspired by NIF, by the National Ignition Facility. Okay. okay? The, the you don't I, even need lasers in Australia. You just put like an egg outside the outback. <laughs> it's like the strength of 192 lasers. So the pitch from this company is like both Tokamax and Stellarators are trying to take a lot of plasma, you know, yeah. inside an entire donut in like a big, big room area, right? And kind of try to compress all of that down and heat all of that plasma up. And it's kind of a lot of plasma to heat up, right? And so it takes a shitload of energy and everything. And they're like, okay, what if instead you take like a really, really little tiny bit of plasma Ooh! and you try to get that little tiny bit of plasma really fucking hot. Right. Okay. And the way that they're arguing to do that is to basically use two lasers, but have them be pulsed lasers. And so they're, cool. they're sort of argument for, you know, how this technology is maybe different from the National Ignition Facility is that you would use these two lasers. One of the lasers would help set up the magnetic field to confine the plasma. Okay. So one laser would squeeze the plasma into a little tiny space, and then the other laser would blast the fucking shit out of it. Okay. In some kind of pulsed laser form, which matters for some reason, I don't know. Okay. That's laser physics I don't get, but okay. pulsed lasers are a relatively new invention. Okay, that's cool. Especially this kind of pulsed, like, high-energy laser. All right. It won the Nobel Prize kind of recently. Oh, um, so this is not, like... Just like Australian science. <laughs> this, is like, this is like real science. Yeah, so taking pulsed laser technology and using it for a kind of fusion that no one's figured out yet, that's a little bit like, hell, we'll see if that works, buddy. You right. know what I mean? There was one published paper I found on it that seems kind of interesting. Yeah. We'll see if the startup company does it. But what about the fuel thing you're talking right. about? Right, so, so the main idea here is because it's a really small area, like it's a really small amount of fuel that you are compressing down and then shooting you can kind of get away with using other fuels. Oh, shit. That normally... Would be a thousand times cheaper to do if you could make them work. Right, but in a tokamak, you'd have to heat them up even hotter, and it's already so hard to get to 150 million degrees Celsius. Right. So, like, it's not worth it to use Not even fuel. Fahrenheit. <laughs> no, <laughs> fucking Celsius. <laughs> so, their idea is like, okay, but we're just doing a tiny bit. So we can use one of these harder fuels that is cheaper and burns cleaner. Cool. And so what they'd be using is hydrogen boron 11. That sounds cool. Okay. So hydrogen, in this case, just regular hydrogen, not even deuterium or tritium. There's a lot of hydrogen out there. Yeah. And then boron 11 is the most common form of boron on Earth. Yeah. And we do have a shitload of it. 
So the idea is then you would take these two guys, you would fuse them together, and in that fusion process, they would basically turn into three what are called alpha particles. Okay. And those are basically helium nuclei. Cool. So you'd fuse them together, and all you'd get out of it is three heliums blasting off. Okay. And that's all the energy we need. Boom, we just unfusion. Yes. Cool. Yes. And in, in a kind of interesting twist on this idea, because the, there's one laser, it's not a symmetric thing, right? Cool. In, the, in NIF, the 192 lasers are all blasting one point, right? Symmetrically. In this situation, in HB11, it's one laser shooting a little pellet yeah. in a direction. And what that means is that all of the helium that gets produced, all of the alpha nuclei that come flying off, those are all moving in a direction. The reason why that's significant is if you have charged particles moving in a direction, that is electric current. Yeah. So this plant creates electricity Mm. without doing any kind of steam shit. It directly produces electricity. Mm. So you wouldn't have to do any kind of stuff with like water cooling to like move a turbine or anything like that it would just produce stuff right away that could run into electrical wires yeah so you know in a certain sense you could make a much less complicated plant you don't need to do all that steam power stuff and any kind of inefficiencies involved with that so you know hb11 in that sense you'd be able to directly produce current radioactivity would be pretty close to zero yeah and you would have really abundant fuel so Hopefully it works. Yeah. So then the main question is whether or not you can actually use pulsed lasers to fucking really do this shit at the level that they want to. Right. And I mean, hey, in the fusion world, (laughs) it's like every new idea sounds like a great idea. Right. And then you start to do it and you realize like, oh shit, we actually need to invent like a whole new kind of thing. All sorts of engineering problems. Right. So? This is really hot heats. We don't have that many ways to experiment except to do it when we're dealing with this kind of crazy engineering. Yeah. But- this is a fun idea. Yeah. So, you know, I hope cool. they give it a shot. And yeah. Dude, do you think like this is going to like the next superpower situation where like Australia Dark Horse Candidate is going to be like the next great superpower because it invents fusion? And I think, like... you know, honestly, Australia has everything it needs right. to be a superpower. Right. Okay. If they would just stop being so racist and actually like arm their emus, I feel like <laughs> that's just like some next level shit right there. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> They're already raptors. Like, I, want, I don't know how much you need. I want Sawman ripped in half <laughs> by an emu. This is just the LA Zoo. This was an underfed, <laughs> clinically depressed emu, and it's sliced a child in half. Can you imagine what a well-fed, happy, socially integrated emo could do? Yeah, yeah. And give them, like, little, like, you know, metal plating on their claws and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is some danger. Like a little Kevlar? Oh, shit. No hope at all. I know. We'd be over as a species. Anyway, so that was part two on fusion. Woo! I don't know when fusion's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I do think that, like... It's at least consistently true that there's a lot of smart people who are very actively working on it. Yeah. And they're trying. Oh boy, they're trying. (laughs) I mean, this is kind of one of the reasons why, you know, hopefully we get here. But in the interim, you know, we should explore alternative energies uh, from coal, like uh, (laughs) deep water drilling and fracking. (laughs) You know, (laughs) a lot of eggs in the basket, you know. (laughs) Beautiful. That's great. I'm glad we did it. Okay, let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you to Brian for artwork. Yeah, and then uh, maybe thank you to Stacy again if this animation stuff she's doing finishes. Ooh, baby. Yeah, we'll pop that out. People nice. People get real freaked out. Ugh. 
You can hit us up at Dish Podcast on Twitter or email us at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Hey, thanks to Uncle Joe for, for Joe Bucks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, buying, buying Petri Dishes uh, McDonald's for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, fuck, what, what, what else we got? Oh, yeah, Patreon.com slash Petri Dish if you want to contribute directly for as little as a dollar a month. And, yes. Yeah. So we will see you all next time. Have a good one. <laughs> Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> do do do.